Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I have learned more than I ever thought I wanted to know. Um or ever would know in, in doing this teaching, it has really blessed me. And I was telling them last service that if no other reason, it didn't, I'm, I don't feel blessed because I've learned a lot of knowledge about science and, and biology and things of that nature. So much as I um, see God differently now, I see God as bigger. God is bigger now that I'm done with this teaching. So I'm happy about that. Somebody should be clapping your hands because God is bigger, whether you know it or not. Um, Genesis chapter 1, get your pen and get your pad and get your hearts. As you read the Bible, the devil goes by many names. Satan, Beelzebub, son of the morning, Lucifer, the adversary, the prince of the power of the air, a roaring lion, accuser, a slanderer, a serpent, the deceiver, Satan is the superhuman arch enemy of God, but of all the ways to describe the devil more than anything else, he is the incurable liar and a deceiver. Somebody say amen. It was Jesus who said in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said he is the father of what saints? Lies. And there are two pervasive lies. Get your pen, get your pad. There are two pervasive lies that are basic in our modern culture. Number one, the lie of random life. The lie of random life. And number two, that truth isn't relative. The lie of random life and the truth isn't relative. Two lies, two pervasive lies that are basic in our modern culture. The lie of random life, that things are just the way they are because they they just happen to be that way. That there's no purpose, no reason, no sovereign unfolding, no designer, no design, no powerful creator, no God, just random life. Random life says that the universe exists not by God's authority, it's just chance. Somehow everything appeared in the midst of nothing. That there was some primordial slime that through the billions of years mutated into this intricate and complex and vast universe that we now live in. Listen, that lie can't be true for two reasons. Number one, because we're all pretty good at math. Y'all got mighty quiet. Okay, maybe we're not. But that can't be true because we do know this. We know that nobody times nothing equals nothing. Nobody times nothing does not equal everything. Chance is nothing. Chance is not a force. Random chance can't result in anything. If nothing exists, then nothing can exist. 
Somebody please say amen. It can't be true. Random chance can't be true because it doesn't even make sense. Listen, we've been studying the six days of creation just by show of hands. Who's been with me all six days of creation? Okay, and who's been with me five of the six days? All right, four of the six days. Who ain't never been here? No, I'm just <laughs> you ain't never been here. I ain't never been here. <laughs> and um, so we've been studying the six days of creation, and we've watched creation. If you, listen, look, look at me. If you've been with us throughout the six days, you've noticed that, and we've watched creation get more complex. Entropy wasn't happening. The second law of thermodynamics wasn't happening. Things weren't breaking down or getting more complex. Put your brain on. If you throw a hand grenade in a bedroom, see if you walk in there and the bed is made. Oh, you'll get that on the way home. (laughs) Chance doesn't make sense because of the system of life. DNA, chromosomes, genetic code. The information encoded in every living cell prevents evolution because that code, listen, determines what that living cell will do. It can't do more than it's programmed to do, and it can't be superior to what it is. If something does change, it produces inferior, not superior. So we know that evolution is impossible. The second lie, that truth isn't relative and that the Bible is not the word of God. Listen, people say the Bible is just an ancient set of writings. Uh, People say that the Bible is not the word of God and it doesn't tell us what is right or wrong or what is moral or immoral, that the Bible is not a relevant um, source today and it has no authority. Listen, that's a lie. You have to understand something, saints. Listen to me close. Look at me. Genesis chapter one is as true as any other part of scripture. And I think sometime, let me have this half of the room say Amen. All right, because nobody, y'all ain't say amen. They said amen, but y'all didn't say amen. All right, say it together. Amen. No need to yell. (laughs) I think sometimes there's a disconnect with people from, you know, the New Testament to the Old Testament, and somehow, sometime, people disconnect, and they think that other parts of Scripture are more true than other parts of Scripture. The Bible teaches that all Scripture is given by God for inspiration, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness sake. Somebody please say amen. Will you do that? And Genesis chapter 1, listen, is just as true as any other part of Scripture. Genesis 1 is as true as Exodus 20, which gives us the Ten Commandments. Genesis 1 is as true as Isaiah 53 that talks about the suffering servant. Genesis 1 is as true as Matthew chapter 1. Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph. Genesis 1 is as true as John chapter 3 when Jesus said to Nicodemus, who came to him at night, Jesus said, you must be born, what saints, again. Genesis chapter 1 is just as true as any other part of the Scriptures. And to add to, listen to me, To add to or take away from any part of Scripture, including Genesis 1, is to deny the entire Word of God and bring judgment on yourself. What you talking about, Willis? Well, Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 to 19 tells us this. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of of this book. 
If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Think about this. These two lies go together. Evolutionists who reject the idea of creator God also reject the idea of the authoritative documents written by creator God. Even this week I went back and you know the debate uh, that that, um, the science guy Bill Nye and Ken Ham had, the creation versus evolution debate. I went back and watched the whole debate again. I found it fascinating. And I, I realized one thing that the science guy Bill Nye continued to say. He continued to say that, you know, Mr. Ham wants us to believe that the Bible or that the, the, this book, this ancient book of writings is relevant and authoritative and something that we should believe in today. Remember, did y'all watch it? He kept saying it over and over and over again. Listen, evolutionists, they reject the idea of creator and they also reject the idea of an authoritative document written by creator God. And whether you're a theist evolutionist, which means you believe that God was the original power and used mutation to bring about the universe and cause things to evolve, or you're a naturalist evolutionist, which means you believe that there was a big bang and that bang caused everything to evolve by accident. Genesis 1 does away with both lies. Somebody say amen. Genesis 1 does away with all evolution and establishes the fact that God is the creator of everything as it is right now in its present form. Everything right now in its present form. Genesis, you got to understand something, saints. This series for us here at Calvary Chapel, for those of you that are just visiting and just coming today, um, you, you'll be able to pick up the series. We're actually going to package this series and then offer you uh, some other things. We'll talk about that later. You'll be able to get the whole thing together. But, but, but this whole series actually is, is, is really, in Genesis chapter 1, is really cutting across the grain of our modern cultural the, um, thought. This series is cutting across the grain of these two deceptions. Random life and whether the scriptures are relevant or not. Now, there's no evolutionary lie more believed and more loudly proclaimed and more widely accepted than that of the evolution of man. As a matter of fact, when you think about evolution, you think of this picture, don't you? When you don't you like the guy sitting at the computer? Don't you love that? I just love that. That's the best part of that picture to me. Whenever you think of evolution, you think of this picture. I must say that National Geographic has done a fine job at causing people to believe that their ape-like creature was on all fours, and all of a sudden, the sequence of about 10 different pictures as this four-legged creature becomes erect and takes the posture of a man, and they tell us that this progression of human evolution... um, that this is the progression of human evolution. And of course, in schools today, uh, in the public school education, is constantly taught that man has come from apes. Parents, listen, this is what your children are being taught. Open up the textbook. I'm not making this stuff up. This is what your children are being taught, that they have come from apes. Listen, the Bible does not teach, I don't believe that I came from an ape. I believe that God created me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And David said, and that my soul knows right well. But the public school education, I was listening to the radio the other day, and they were talking about some event that they're having um, here in the Triangle. I, I think it's at the, at the museum or something like that. And they talked about, you know, the 65 million years ago that the dinosaurs were created. Come and see that. And I'm like, you know, this whole idea of, you know, 65 million years ago, 100 million years ago, 50. Nobody ever says the same number, by the way. Have you ever noticed that? Nobody ever agrees on the same number. Okay, that's a whole other thing. But 65 million years ago, it's just accepted, and everybody just goes, oh, yeah, so yeah, 65 million years ago when the earth was created or the dinosaurs were walking on the earth, there is no, absolutely no evidence concerning that. They tell you that they have fossil records to prove it. The fact of the matter is most of all these fossil records are a joke or a fraud. In the book written by John Ankerberg and John Weldon called Darwin's Leap of Faith, it says, despite widespread belief to the contrary, the fossil record of mankind is woefully inadequate to justify any belief in evolution. Despite 130 years of searching, there, is, there are no fossils that have convincingly related man to any other species. Most have been convincingly proven false. It was Dewing Gish who writes this. There is no evidence either in the present world or in the world of the past that man has arisen from some lower creature. He stands alone as a separate and distinct created type or basic morphological design endowed with qualities that sets him man far above all other living creatures. If you agree with that, I want you to say amen. Will you do that? Every once in a while, somebody, have you noticed this? Every once in a while, somebody finds a tooth. Every once in a while, somebody finds a tooth somewhere in Africa and they tell you, oh, we found a missing link and then they go write papers on it and science all goes crazy because somebody found a tooth. Well, listen, this morning, or should I say this afternoon, I'm going to tell you the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. (laughs) And then I'm going to tell you the truth the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Listen, saints, real simple. The evolutionary man has divided, and here, you got a pen? I want you to write this down. The evolutionary man has been divided into three Latin parts, or three Latin terms. Ramapithecus, Australopithecus, and Pithecanthropus. I'll give you a quiz later. These terms were given to these supposed fossils and are thought to be transitional forms between ape and man. The average person on the street probably still believes these classifications. And honestly, listen, even some evolutionists are divided as to whether there is any human classification with these at all. It was in 1917, Harold Cook found a tooth. In 1922, through mythology called science, they connected this tooth with a mythological jawbone to a mythological body which features, w- with features, and by the time the news reached London, the Nebraska man was the missing link. Then not long after that, a geologist found an, an identical tooth in Nebraska, but this tooth was traced to a skull that was attached to a pig. So the Nebraska pig made a monkey out of the evolutionist. Earlier in 1891, Homo erectus, Pithecanthropus, the Java man, 
the Java man was discovered by Eugene Du Bois. He was found on an island in the East Indies in Java. They discovered a skull cap and a femur and three teeth. They didn't tell us the femur was found 50 feet away and a year later. They also downplayed the fact that in the same area, they found two complete large brain skulls called Wayjack skulls. But it was Sir Walter Keith who was an evolutionist, and he said, quote, the two large brain skulls demonstrate that Java man had played no part in evolution, end quote. In 1994, the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. Time magazine said the Java man is an important part of the evolutionary story. And then we have the Piltdown man. In 1912, the Piltdown Man of 1912. Well, the Piltdown Man was a hoax from the start. The Piltdown Man got its name because in 1912, bones were supposedly collected in Piltdown, East Essex, England. The Piltdown Man was bone fragments presented as fossilized remains. They were remains of an unknown early human. They filed down the jaw. This is a fact. Y'all can Google this. They filed down the jaw and the teeth to make them look different. The filed markings were visible on the jaw and the teeth, and it wasn't until 1953 that it was formally declared a fake. So in 1912, from 1912 to 1953, it was taught in our public school systems. The Peking Man, a Canadian physician named Davidson Black, was digging in China in 1927 and was about to run out of money, and he found one tooth. Remember, I'm telling you the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. Through this one tooth, the Rockefeller Foundation sent him more money, and as he dug further, he found a skull, and the back of the skull was flattened by a tool. Later, David Black, or Davidson Black, died of a heart attack around 49 years old. Other scientists went there and they said, I can't believe I came all the way around the world to look at a monkey skull because the tools that they found there, listen, were common in China because monkey brains in China. And for those of you that have been to China, you know this monkey brains in China are a delicacy and the rest of the monkey is tough. So the tool that they found was used to break the skull and open the back of the skull so that they could get scoop out the brains of, of the of the monkey. Y'all seen Indiana Jones? Then y'all see Indiana Jones? That was my favorite part in Indiana Jones where they was you remember that? They were scooping out the brains and then the lady was like nasty. And I love it when like when they open up the arc, remember that? And the lights came out and like the lights was like, burned out the, the eyes of the people and disintegrated everyone. Gosh, that was a great movie. I don't know, watch it today. That was just a great movie. I mean, it really was. So, but, but all of these, you know what? I like the man that's found in Genesis. God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion over everything that is on the earth. Now, if you've been with us, you know that day one, the word day is yam in the Hebrew. Day one, yam, God created light. Day two, 
God created air, the atmosphere. Day three, the waters were collecting in oceans and dry land appeared. Day four, the sun, the moon, the stars were made and became visible. Day five, we talked about it last week, is the day that God creates the first living things. And all the sea creatures that are in the sea and the bird life in the sky are created. Day five, the house is complete and ready for man to move in. Well, today we come to day six in our final day in our study in creation. In day six, you got a pen, write this down. Right in the margins of your Bibles, you can write down the peak of God's creative work. The peak of God's creative work. Day six, we come to the creation of man. And I've titled this sermon, The Origin of Man and Everything. Genesis chapter one, saints, we pick up in verse 24. If you're looking at Genesis chapter one, verse 24, I need you to say a hearty amen. Oh, you need to say one better than that. If you're looking at verse 24, say amen. Amen. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. Notice everything is according to its kind, not according to some other kind. Say amen. Amen. And God saw that it was what, saints? Then God said, come on, read verse 26 with me. Then God said, come on, read it. Uh, Read it like you mean it. Come on, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth's soul. God created man in his own image, and in case you don't get that, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, what do you say, saints? And do what? And do what? And subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is in the face, uh, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given you every green herb for food, and it was so. And then in verse 31, come on, read it with me. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Listen close. No one has ever found any proof of the evolutionary theory. And that makes total sense because evolution never happened. I'm glad four people got that. And the reason they can't find proof is you can't prove something that didn't happen. And evolution never happened. That's why they can't prove it. In other words, they can't prove evolution because it never happened. In other words, evolution never happened, and that's why they can't prove it. (laughs) You understand? So I said in the beginning of our study that God created the earth in six 24-hour or solar days. And God made the universe and everything in it approximately four to 6,000 years ago. Again, we believe in young earth. 
Day six is the finishing touches on his creation. Day five, God created all the animals in the sea and the birds in the air. Day six, God creates the earth creatures, and they are in, if you have a pen, write this down. They're in three categories. The earth creatures are in three categories. Cattle, creeping things, and beasts of the earth. And we're going to look at those really briefly and really quickly. Number one, cattle. Most Hebrew scholars agree that cattle speaks of animals that can be tamed and domesticated for man's use. Now, I know, I think you're probably thinking of a dog. Well, not really, but not excluded, because a dog can herd sheep. The word cattle refers to more than that, which something like that, something that provides milk, like a cow, or it refers to a goat or to an ox, maybe an animal that can be tamed and ridden like a beast of burden. Animals that can be tamed and domesticated and used by man. Creeping things. Creeping things include bugs. Hebrew scholars will also say, and they say that this refers to small, get this, small animals with short legs. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.